Hello and welcome to the Film Obsessed Couple. I'm Shelly. And I'm Scott. And we are here to do our fourth celebrity spotlight. It has been a minute, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Rue McClanahan. Wow. I think this is going to be very therapeutic for me. (laughs) Because this has been stressful and we'll talk about all of it. When did you start working on Rue? Like how, how long ago would you say? I think it's been three months. Three months? I'm assuming you will get to why it took you so long. Yes. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. And um, if this episode ends up being three hours, sorry. I was kind of confused in, in last episodes. If you've listened to all of our movie episodes, I was like, oh, I don't know if I should just go through her personal life because it's very in-depth or her, her movie career. But mm-hmm. we're going to do both. I, okay. I did both. We're going to do both. And it's either going to be a two-parter or a long episode. Okay. We'll see. But we'll just jump right into it. All right, let's I do it. I don't want to waste any time. I'm excited from just from what you've told me. I know. <laughs> so usually I start out with a, a quote from the actor mm-hmm. or actress. And um, I could not find anything worth quoting. Oh, Jesus. That Rue has said. And just a slight uh, disclaimer, if you are a fan of Rue McClanahan, I am not trying to trash talk her. It's just how I feel. Yes. Yeah. Um, and if you love her and think she's great, keep loving her. Keep thinking she's great. I don't want to change your mind, but I am going to tell you a bunch of stuff in here that you may not like. Yes. So I'm just going to use a favorite quote that she likes, which is... Always... I like dicks. <laughs> well, <laughs> that could be... <laughs> She'd have some Southern thing to say about it. She talks weird in her book. Yeah. But it's always remember that every day God is saying to you, may I have this dance. All right. Now, I'm not religious. I like the meaning behind it of like, you never know when it's your last day. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Did she just assume she was going to die at any moment? Uh, maybe. I guess as she got older. Yeah, I guess she just wanted to live, live and let live. And that's what she did. She yeah. lived. She lived a life. Let me tell you. <laughs> so she was born Eddie Rue McClanahan on February 21st, 1934. Did you say February 21st? Yeah, it was 21st. Wow, six days before me. Yeah, what was the year? 1934. 34? Oh, so a little less. Well, no. 54 years before me. Okay. 54 years and six days. We were pretty close. Yeah. Super relevant. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> but it was in Helton. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong, Oklahoma. She was the firstborn of her parents, Drada. Rue Nell and William McClanahan. Her mom was a beautician and her dad was a building contractor. All right. So, Peru, I'm going to say that a lot because I don't know what's true. Peru, uh, she was of Irish and Choctaw descent. Her great-grandfather was named Running Hawk according to her autobiography, My First Five Husbands and the One That Got Away. So, like, on the first page of that book, would you say, did it say, like, sources needed? 
Like when you first opened it, it was like, no. like on Wikipedia, they used to, I don't know if they still do, but when there would be a quote that can't, that's not backed up, it would be like, citation needed. Mm-hmm. It's like, Rue McClanahan's five husbands and the one that got away, citations needed. Yeah, it, it, this whole book would be like that. I'm 100% Choctaw and 100% <laughs> African American and... <laughs> and Italian. <laughs> like, okay, we get it. We get it. Irish, yeah. Irish and Choctaw. In her book, Rue explains that she would call her mom mother and her dad Bill. Citations needed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Who never showed her any kind of affection. Oh, Jesus. So this is kind of the start of everything because, I don't know, whenever, I think if you have daddy problems, you have sex problems. So I'm not a psychologist. That is not anything concrete. You can disagree with that. Just my feelings. Citation needed. (laughs) During the Great Depression, when Rue was a toddler, they moved to Durant, Oklahoma, while her dad went to serve in the military. He was gone for three years. Damn. And returned after the Pacific War was over. When her mom was about to give birth to a baby sister, Melinda, Rue, who was five years old at the time and was doing acrobatics, she broke her arm. Mm. So, you know, her mom's in labor. She's going outside doing some cartwheels, breaks her arm. Good times. Yeah, terrible timing. Yeah. She was sent to the doctor who gave her ether. According to her book, she died right there on the table. The doctor revived her, set her arm, and sent her home. Again, this is what she stated in her book, and I don't know if she really died or if it just felt that way because ether was used as an anesthetic at the time. The family would move again when Rue was in seventh grade to Ardmore, Oklahoma. Sorry if I pronounced that town wrong. I'm not from Oklahoma. Even though the town was about 60 miles apart, it was a rough move for Rue. They were out in the country, which I'm like, cool. Um, But it was hard for her to make friends. Because when you're young, you want to be outside. Especially, like, if you remember when we were young. And my God, I was out riding my bike mm-hmm. i was walking i was you know if there were kids around playing kickball you know a bunch of stuff outside but rue decided when she had her birthday uh, she was going to invite some people at her school to come to her birthday party oh okay which is out at her house nice so of course everyone she invited showed up oh good that's not where i thought that was going yeah i know <laughs> this was the beginning of her being the most popular kid in school. Okay. I see where see where we're going here. Mm-hmm. You know, good for her. I, I remember popular kids in the day. And I don't... There was only a few that were really nice. True. Maybe it was different back then, though. It could be. I wasn't alive. So I can't judge. During the last two years of her high school, she had her own business. Jesus like, Christ. This is kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, she is smart. I will give her that. Uh, her da- her dance instructor had moved out of town and asked Rue if she would take over. All right. I mean. Shit. This dance instructor must have known that she knew what she was doing. So Rue's parents was like, sure, pursue your dreams, but you have to keep your grades up. Okay, that's good. Seems reasonable. You wouldn't think that that would be a big priority back then. Right. Yeah, no, true, because they were like, you need to stay home and work on the farm. Yeah, my grandmother dropped out of high school when she was 16. Yeah. But, you know, 
school was important to her parents, which you'll find out. Um, so Rue had high expectations of herself. Uh, she had to be the top student because both her parents were valedictorians of their class. I see. Okay. So school was important to her parents, which is why it was important to her. Yeah. Rue was voted the most likely to succeed in her small town, probably because she owned her own business and even her own car. Jesus Christ. Yeah. This was would be about, like, what, the 40s? Um, 50s-ish? So she was born in... 1934? Yeah. It's like 1950s. 50s, yeah. It would have been the 50s, so yeah, I guess that's pretty... I, I'm just thinking of it being, like, Grapes of Wrath, like, dirt farms and... Uh, it could be. Well, it could very well still have been, but yeah, the 50s. Yeah. But her parents taught their children that nothing was out of reach. They could be and do anything they wanted, no matter what sex they were. Damn. I know. I'm like, well, they're there. They're ahead of their time. While Rue was in high school, her family took a trip to New York City. Rue fell in love and knew one day that this would be her new home. Was that like that for you when you went when we went to New York? Did I you loved, feel like I love New York? I loved it too. It was very overwhelming. Yes. The only thing I don't like about New York is transportation. I like the subways. Well, I do love like the subways, but the amount of time that you need. Yeah. Like we're, it's so convenient to jump in the car and go to Walmart if you need something. That's true. But if we were in New York, you'd be like, okay, I need like two hours to get to Walmart and back. Get some yeah. groceries. That's true. And how would I carry them? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I would want to live there. Yeah, it would be expensive. If I was living like she was, probably something bigger and better. But like, you know, I'm almost 35 and have lived in Missouri my entire life. And I go to New York and I'm like, this is different. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely different. But I don't know. There was just something about the atmosphere. It was, Yes, that I agree with. I just, I mean, even though some of it was kind of scary, but it was just like, I could be anything I want. Yeah. I could be myself. Like, the first time in my life, I'm like, oh, people don't give a shit. I'm just going to be me. <laughs> Very true. But even though it seemed like things were going perfectly for Rue, it wasn't always smooth sailing. She had to drop her typing class, uh, one, because she was failing it, mm. and two, she wanted to be in a play, and doing both was too much. When would we ever need typing, she said. Right, exactly. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need that. I'm not going to be a secretary. What? So, Rue graduated cum laude. And was offered two full scholarships to college. Damn. Yeah. She enrolled at the University of Tulsa, majoring in German and theater arts. Okay. I mean. I don't know where those two come into play, but. <laughs> she was probably like, German men are hot. Maybe. <laughs> I, I need to know how to speak German. Well, I'm sure we'll get to her husband's maybe if she's married to like a Rolf. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. It's after college. Rue got a job at the Erie Playhouse in Erie, Pennsylvania as an ingenue. And this this is a new word for me. So if it's new for you too, let me explain what an ingenue is. It's an innocent or unsophisticated young woman in a play or film. Okay. So just maybe a little. I've heard the word, but not the definition. Mm. Yeah. And I even had to put it out phonetically on how to say it because I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> But this is when she would change her name from Eddie Rue to Rue. And she would also meet her first husband and fellow actor, Tom Bish. No German name. 
I know. <laughs> Wait. Well, bish, maybe. He's a bish. It wasn't the fairy tale she had always hoped for, which was falling in love and, you know, living happily ever after. I think all, everybody kind of wants that kind of fairy tale. Yeah. Uh, what I got from her book is she had all the red flags about Tom because he was an asshole. I see. But she just couldn't stop loving him or maybe pining over him to love her. Could be. I think she just was all like, hey, I like you. How come you don't like me? But in 1958, when Tom knocked Rue up, they ended up getting married. You say knocked her up or knocked her out? No. <laughs> up. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's another husband that knocked her out. Oh, Jesus. But Tom just knocked her up with baby. She got a baby. So they're like, well, shit, I'm pregnant. We got to get married because that's what you did. Yeah, I guess so. Surprised they weren't already married at this time. True. Because religion. But her parents... Taught her she could do anything except raise a child on her own. Tom was extremely jealous and drank a lot, according to Rue's book. Rue ended up getting too sick during her pregnancy to continue working at the playhouse, so they moved in with her parents in Ardmore, and Tom would do some construction jobs with her dad. Tom became more and more withdrawn and seemed to get angry when she showed any emotions besides sexual. Jesus Christ. One evening, she wanted the reassurance of his love. He told her he loved her but wasn't in love with her. I see. I mean, that cuts deep. Yes. That is like, ouch. Nobody ever wants to hear that. And I don't mm. even think it's true. I think it's just a nice way of saying, I don't really like you. Yeah. I, I think so. So she became hysterical and started sobbing. And he called her a stupid bitch and a fucking cunt. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> According to her book. Then another night he would want to connect like sexually mm -hmm. uh, they ended up playing strip poker getting a little flirty with one another and he mentioned he was starting to love her again and she was so delighted she started crying and then he responded well hell now you've ruined everything can't get it hard when uh she's showing love back to him i guess well i i think she was just like wanted love from him so much that when he did show it she cried yeah and then he was all like oh jesus Oh, Jesus. Uh, this is not going to work for me. You know, I just I just need you naked on the bed right now. I, I don't need you crying. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> but when Rue was eight months, eight months pregnant, Tom was offered a job in Houston, and he was all like, peace out. Uh, I see. This is my opportunity, and I am taking it. He left, and Rue would soon follow. Oh, no. But only to stay a few days. The first night... There, of course, they had sex. The next night, she would ask what he really wanted, and he said a career and lots of money. I mean, who doesn't want that? Yeah. She must have realized that she was fighting a losing battle, so she called her mommy to come and get her the next day. So she's putting in this book every time they had sex. Yes. <laughs> Go with grief. There's a lot of sex talk. Yeah. She goes into a little detail. I, I didn't pick that out. Okay. <laughs> there is something I deleted and put back in, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. So once the baby was born, Rue cried and cried because she felt now the baby is here and her marriage and life was over. If you have a baby, then congratulations. It's just not for me or Rue, really, <laughs> because Rue was so upset, which was not good for her or the baby. Her doctor called Tom and said, listen, get your ass up here and convince Rue that everything is fine. So that's what he did. Wow. I know it's weird. He was an actor. And he acted to be in love with her. Rue thought it was just like the movies and everything was going to be okay. But it wasn't. No. Husband one of six or five. One got away. 
Mm-hmm. So the next day, Tom left. Jesus. And he never returned. I bet that didn't sit well with her. She's like, the doctor's like, well, he did what I asked him to. I know. He came up here and told her it was going to be okay. I guess he didn't think that he needed to stay. But she was probably a sobbing mess still. Probably and so. And he's like, I can't handle this. Because, I mean, I get it. Like, when people get upset or mm. angry, I am like, I can't handle that. Yeah. I am like, you know how I am. Um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I just get so full of anxiety that I just can't handle it. So I'm guessing Tom was that way with that kind of emotion. I bet. Yeah. So I could understand. But Rue was now a single mother. So she decided to stay in Ardmore with her parents and open her own dance and, and acting school. Things were not peaches and cream, though. She knew she couldn't live with her parents much longer because they had their way of raising her, her kid, whose name is Mark, by the way. Mark. And uh, she had her own way. And, and this is all what her book said. Okay. Keep that in mind. Rue was still upset by her divorce, which drew her closer to a friend called Norman Hartwig. Okay. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. She decided to move closer to Norman. Her mom said, if you do that, you better be marrying this man. So it was 1959. So Rue thought that was the way it had to be. Yeah. Norman was all for it. So what does one do? They just get married. <laughs> they leave their toddler with their parents who they just said. Oh. They had different views on. And then you move over 700 miles away to Aurora, Colorado to be with a man. So she ab abandoned her kid? Mm-hmm. Like permanently? No. Okay. <laughs> I wonder how, I'm sure her son is all kinds of fucked up or has feelings about this, but... I was like, I wonder what he thinks about reading this, but I'm sure he knows all of it already. Yeah, I kind of wanted to dive into his life to see if he was messed up, but I didn't have time. Yeah. So this is about Rue, and that's what we're going to stick with. <laughs> so they got married in front of the Justice of Peace, even though her divorce wasn't finalized with Tom yet. Oh, of course. Yeah. Per her book... Her son was back with them at some point. They were happy, you know, oh, everything's so lovely. It always is at the beginning, mm -hmm. right? But it just seemed like they were more best friends than husband and wife. I consider you my best friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. So, so I, don't, I don't know why that's such a bad thing. But I also have other feelings. So maybe she just didn't have those other... Maybe. <laughs> I guess, yeah, it sounds like they're just friends, not really like love lovers or, yeah. or in love maybe i don't know intimacy yeah mm. so norman told rue he believed in an open marriage of course <laughs> uh -huh. um totally do not believe that but rue was like oh no i i can't do that until she met this guy named darren that's how it always goes i think i've i've read things online where men are like you know honey i think we should be in an open relationship and then it's like <laughs> Oh, I, okay, I agree with you. I already I found a man that I want to go out with. That's bullshit! That's not what I meant. <laughs> yeah. I've been over a relationship for me. But Darren was a poet and didn't know it. Ha. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was also Norman's friend. Oh. <laughs> this is so great. It's getting worse. <laughs> so she jumped Darren like a cat in heat. This is when we start getting into Rue's FQ scale. FQ scale? Yeah, I was going to ask you the other day. Is there some term of FQ scale, like um, like a, a grading scale, like for school? I tried looking it up, and i i didn't I didn't look too hard. 
but fuck quality scale is oh, that what she's so saying that's what i thought yeah that's what i put in here okay. i was like oh okay so it's how she rated men from a to f i'm guessing based on how well they performed in bed um, all right i put i have no idea what fq means fuck quality question maybe so boy she has a through f that she's she never looking got for. To F. <laughs> she got to D, so maybe it was A through D. I thought it maybe be A through Q, but no. Yeah, fuck quality, I think. Yeah, we're going to go with fuck quality. Yeah. Sounds good. But I do find it very offensive and disgusting. It's very strange. Yeah. I don't think any gender needs any kind of number or grading scale at all. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh A, he, he did not lick my butthole, so that's a zero. <laughs> B, he did fuck my feet. <laughs> you got Game of Thrones going here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me see those feet. <sighs> Which, we do talk about feet. Oh, of course. I, I, I'll get there. Hang in there, listeners. This is good. So, Darren rated a C, um, which was a little better than Norman, who she rated a D. Oh, okay. So, sure. I guess. I don't I don't know that she ever rated Tom because she just got into the rating scale now. But Darren got word that he's going to get shipped off to Korea and was going to go to California so he could say goodbye to his friends and family. Yeah. So what does one do? Have sex. <laughs> I know. You're like, what? She jumps in the car with Darren, taking Mark with her, only to drop him off at her parents on the way. Again. You it's know. like the it's the package that will not stop showing back up. Yeah, I mean, this kid is just in the way. The parents open the door and there's a box and they're like, <laughs> this better not be Mark. I am just so thankful that her parents seem to be okay with it. I guess. But I think her parents also enable her to act this way. Yeah, which, God, I'm surprised they would even take this kid not having any emotions towards her. <laughs> be like, mm-hmm. Like, oh, maybe that's why they kept taking it. They're like, oh, this this thing came back again. This package here. This thing that's annoying that cries all the time. I got to feed it. What the hell? I hope she leaves me some breast milk. <laughs> anyway. So, and, and she's still married to Norman at this time. Oh, God. But, nor you know, open marriage, whatever. Once Darren shipped off, uh, his parents, it's all like, hey, girl, figure out who you want to bang i mean what you want to do with your life what the hell is going on you just you just stay here until you figure your shit out yeah i'm surprised i figured they'd be like uh stay away from our son like what is your fucking problem he seemed very nice and Mm. i'm just like again there are things that seem one way but i don't know is true yeah she talked a big talk and what really got me just a little side note what really got me is very beginning when she started talking when she was a little kid and she she's would like type out things that she would say, like sentences. Oh. Like, I told my mom this, and then she told me this. I don't remember conversations like that. No. I'm, but she is very smart, so maybe. But it all just seemed a little off. Well, I mean, it is her writing this book, so maybe she's like, they were like, you got to figure out what you want to do, and we love you, and, and just please figure yourself out. And they're like... Figure yourself out. Yeah. Like, what is your fucking problem? She heard what she wanted yeah. to hear. <laughs> and in reality, they're like, oh, my God. Yeah, they're like, figure yourself out, Rue. In her translation, it was like, 
you need to figure yourself out and really uh, think what you need want to yeah, do. You know, you just let us know if you need anything. You're fucking our kid's life up. <laughs> so she was about to make two dollars, which was a fortune at the time. Yeah. Uh, but she would be posing nude for an art class. Oh, why didn't I think of this coming? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you said $2, I was like, oh, was she Playboy or something? Uh, close. Close. It was only temporary, though, because, you know, she's got morals and shit. Yeah, sure. It's funny she, how those morals come and go. Yeah. She found a job being a singer and a dancing waitress uh, shortly after that. So she went to her art teacher, Randy, and she's all like, you know, I can't. I'm not going to be posing nude anymore. Sorry to break your heart. Uh he was like, hey, how about you come over and um, have a farewell glass of wine with me? Oh, no. Rue knew that this was not just going to be a glass of wine. When she showed up, he had a mattress on the floor. Classy. What? That's what I said, too. Like, really, in parentheses, I put <laughs> classy. Oh, we are one. Um, and then there was candles all around it. And he was on her like a cat in heat. Did she write that in her book? <laughs> no. Oh, great. I was like, that seems like something that she would have written. And she enjoyed every bit of it. Oh, God. No, of course, you know, plagiarism. I I, I used a lot from her book. Yeah. But it is in my own words. So well, if you're quoting the book, I don't think that's plagiarism. No, there's some quotes in here. I just no. can't read the whole book. Yeah. While in California... She would get a few acting jobs and go back to Ardmore to visit Mark on the holidays because obligations and shit. She's like, oh shit, I have a kid. Just real motherly of her. She Soon she was able to, to get Mark and bring him back to California. Norman would write her that he was coming to visit because, you know, I'm your husband. Mm-hmm. Beware, here I come. Beware. <laughs> uh, and they decided to give their marriage another try. Because, I mean, she doesn't have any man right now. She just fucked the art teacher and that was it. Yeah, just on one. his lovely mattress with candles everywhere. Yeah. I'd be funny if it was like, that man later died in a house fire. <laughs> All those candles. <laughs> that would suck. And I think she did rate him, but I took it out, so I apologize for that. This rating system is insane. Yeah, I, because I was all like, this is stupid. I don't like it. Yeah. But it is kind of relevant to the whole picture. I give so, him an A for art. She seemed to like it, so I'm, I'm guessing he probably got a high score. Jesus. So she dropped everything in California when Norman wanted to give it another chance and moved back to Colorado. That first night back, they made love, even though she was just so tired from the trip and she wasn't protected. Like protective sex? Yep. Wasn't that a myth back then? Oh, just wait. <laughs> Afterward, realizing that Norman didn't pull out. Oh, God. <laughs> She's like writing this. This is still her words. Yeah. She, I, I, yeah, she did say pull out. Oh, wow. She told him she was pregnant right after. Like right after he didn't pull out? Right. Like after they're done, he came inside her and she's like, fuck, I'm pregnant. Jesus. Like some things you don't have to write in a book. Yeah. She didn't want to be right, but she was right. Uh, Norman, you came inside me. <laughs> you can't do that. You got to pull out. Gotta pull out, Norman. I'm pregnant. <laughs> Rue didn't love Norman and didn't want to have his baby. Is this going where I think it's going? Yep. Oh, Jesus. At the time, abortion was illegal, but she knew someone that had several abortions. So what does one do? <laughs> you get a coat hanger. Oh, Jesus. No. You drop your kid off with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> 
We just became a happy family the first night. <laughs> the first night, I got to drop you back off with my parents. And uh, she leaves Norman behind and goes back to California because that's where the doctor is. Once the doctor was available, which was in Tijuana. Oh, God. She would have the abortion, which Norman paid for. God. And it's funny, you know, like politicians today like to pretend that none of this ever happened back then. Oh, yeah. You know it did. And I'm I'm glad that there are doctors that were willing to risk a lot just to have it done safely. You know, because there were probably so many people that did use a coat hanger. Tijuana, though. You know, it's like the Simpsons doctor, Dr. Nick Riviera doing it. He's like, hi, everybody. Yeah. Doing an abortion today. I remember when I was little, my mom would always say, if we could go to Mexico and get it done cheaper, like if you have any kind of surgery. Oh, I see. Oh, yes, yes. Like if you needed your gallbladder out. Or I thought whatever. your mom just joked about abortion all the time. <laughs> well, <laughs> she probably wished she did. Rue was acting in a small independent film and became close with her director, John. Mm. Can you guess what they did? Dropped Mark off at her parents' house. <laughs> Mark was still at her parents. He's still at the parents I at think, this point. Just like it's just saving time if he lives here. <laughs> I think he's still there. But they had sex. Yeah, well, go figure. Um, in her book, she stated they ended up doing something a little bizarre. This is where the feet come in. Oh, I was gonna say like an anal or something. Oh no, they sucked on each other's toes. I hope they washed them. Yeah, you would think. But she said, "Don't knock it until you try it." So. We may have to try it. Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> it's just, it's blowing my mind that she's writing this in her own book. Oh, I know. And we sucked on each other's toes for hours. I really think she was so messed up in the head that she thought people would enjoy this. Yeah, probably so. And I'm sure there are some that are, that find it fascinating. I didn't find it like a romance novel. Like I love, no. I like romance novels, you know, where they talk about sex and it's steamy and, you know, all of that. This was gross. Yeah, those books always make me laugh because of like if it kept going and, and it's not, you know, they're always steamy where it's like, oh, they, they ripped each other's clothes off in a frenzy of passion. And then yeah. it's like, then he took his penis out and started banging <laughs> her. It's like, it gets ugly at a bit. <laughs> like, this is hot wood. This got ugly. As a writer, it's like, what do I say? Penis? Dick? Slong? His his man sword, I don't his know. His rod? <laughs> rod, yeah. <laughs> he entered her with the frenzy of a thousand, I don't know. His sword? <laughs> yeah, his meat sword. Oh, John didn't get a rating, though. Um, it's so... like, I'm not going to do a rating for that toe sucker. <laughs> it's weird, like the ones that were kind of good. Well, she rated one good, so I don't know. She followed John around. I think she was hoping to have financial stability so she could move Mark back with her. So, yeah, he's still with the parents. Who? Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised she knows his name. Parents are just calling her all the time. Hey, you you, uh, you left something with us. <laughs> just wait. Oh, gosh. You, you know. <laughs> you know things. However, John didn't want Mark around. Oh, no. And that was the agreement. They could live together without Mark. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want your kids seeing me sucking toes. <laughs> so Rue did this, still trying to work and save up money. She ended up taking a job at a strip joint oh, no. as a cocktail waitress. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, yes, that'll be $2 for your beer, and I suck toes. <laughs> 
Let me see those sexy feet. Could take you into the back room for another two dollars. <laughs> I don't know how much beers were back then. Probably not two dollars. But you know, you remember her husband, Norman. Yes. Yeah, they're still writing and talking. You know. And still married. Yeah, still married. <laughs> he wanted her to come back. Uh, and not be in a place that she really didn't want to work at, which is, you know, the strip joint. Yeah. I hear you're sucking toes. <laughs> we got to get you out of there. And by the way, why did you turn me down when I asked if I could do that? Yeah. What's wrong with that? Oh, which oh, later, maybe. So since there was no chance she could have Mark with John and didn't think she could raise him on her own, because heaven forbid, she took Norman back again. Just before New Year's 1962, Norman moved in and John moved out. Things were good for... <laughs> they pass each other on the way? Probably like, good it's, luck, dude. It's that old uh, sketch with the uh, the sheepdog and the fox or whatever. They're clocking in and out at that old cartoon. It's like, hey, hello, how are you doing? Uh, good luck to you. See you later. Mm, yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. Uh, things were good for a little while, of course, because new, newish. Seems to be her, her a habit. Yeah. But Norm became more and more of a slob. Probably, okay. probably why there was no uh, toast sucking. I don't know why that came out wrong, but he eventually stopped bathing and even brushing his teeth. Good God. Yeah. Rue had no idea why. My guess is he was fucking depressed. Probably so. Yeah. Or, or another mental issue, maybe. Yeah. Severe depression sounds like it. I can't imagine how supportive Rue would be as a wife. I don't know. She seems like a woman that would always want to have sex. And if your partner is not bathing in a while, yeah, I who, doubt that would be hard. Who wants to do that? Rue was still working with John and invited him over for dinner one night because she was desperate for help. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, my thought is she was de- desperate for companionship. Yeah. So Norman wasn't real happy to have John around. So he eventually left the dinner table because he's like, this is stupid. Yeah. John told Rue how much he missed her and uh, the situation she was in was just sick. He wanted her and Mark to move in with him. What? Yeah, I was going to say, he had a huge rule against that dude. Yep. And since he was good with Mark, she said, bye-bye, Norman. How is he good with Mark? Wait. Norman knew it was only a matter of time before she knew she would leave again, but didn't want to divorce her because he said he would never marry again. Oh, well. The poor guy was probably in love with her. Probably so, but he's like, I will never do two things in my life. I will never marry again, and I will never bathe again. (laughs) Those are the rules. No exceptions. Rue didn't want to leave it like that, so she contacted a judge, because, of course, you know, she just knows judges. Mm. Um, Since they got married before her previous divorce was finalized, they were able to get it annulled. So when John said, you know, uh, move back in, you know, I'm I'm cool with Mark, she actually found out it meant that her and Mark lives a block away in a little un- infer- unfurnished apartment. Is he married? Not according to the book. Okay, That's, that sounds like what he would do. I don't know why he would want them to live apart. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, this was fucked. Weird. You think he would be like, you live in the house, and then Mark, he's what, two, maybe? I don't know how old he is at this point. He can live in an apartment by himself, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was tough to dis- determine what age Mark was because she didn't really say a whole lot. Yeah. So I just kind of went with it. In 1964, she thought it would be a good idea to dump John and move back to New York. You said John, not Mark? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a good idea to dump Mark. Just wait. <laughs> she couldn't be a single mother, so what does one do? Leave him at his parents' house. Yeah. He dropped Mark off on the way. Woo! 
I just imagine Mark just in the car with her every time this happens being like, now you promised me this time we're not going to grandma and grandpa's house. <laughs> no, not this time, I swear. And then she like drops him off. He's like, God damn it, you lied <laughs> to me again. Be like, you want to go get some ice cream? Yeah, oh, not grandma and grandpa's again. <laughs> no. How about we go see a movie today? You you swear this is not grandma and grandpa's. No, I swear it's not. <laughs> Why are we getting on the fucking highway? <laughs> Why are we driving six hours? I don't understand. <laughs> the movie's there. The movie's there. Oh, I can't imagine because you know kids get attached to their parents. Maybe at this point she's not his mom. And he's just like, uh, can I go back to grandma and grandpa or should I say mom and dad? It, it gets that way. Um, but while in New York, she landed her biggest production yet. Uh, the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Mitty? Yeah, yeah, they actually remade that um, a while back at this point. Ben oh. Stiller directed it. Nice. In the show, there was a dancer named Peter DeMaio. Rue sensed that he was in, in her sights and was hoping he would get a gig out of town, but he didn't. They ended up being in a relationship instead. Go figure! With the understanding that the relationship was open, of course. Was it her that came with the open relationship before, you think? Well, she always said the guy. Yeah. The guy said open relationship, but it's weird that she had so many relationships that were open. Yeah, so he said it, and then, oddly enough, my next husband said it, and, you know, it's just weird that I have been attracted to every man that wants to have an open relationship. I'm the only one who has had the relationships in there, but, <laughs> like, I have only, I'm the only one that's gone on and had sex with other men. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I have to guess that it was her and she was just spinning it so it didn't look so bad. And then he begged for it to be an open relationship. And I was like, fine, I've already got a man. Fine, I found Darren. <laughs> Who's a poet and didn't know it. I found John. <laughs> he hates Mark. <laughs> He's perfect. <laughs> I don't care for him either. <laughs> <laughs> just give me a minute. I'm going to tell Mark I'm going to take him to the store to get some cigarettes. <laughs> I'll be back in six hours. <laughs> this, okay, listen, none of this is really funny, but we're being comical about it because that's what, what our sense of humor is like. It's so horrifying the way that they're treating it, yeah. but You, you have to, but really, child abuse and stuff, it's not, not a laughing manner. So with Peter, she had her first orgasm ever. Oh my god. Again, just putting this in the book. Mm -hmm. Then my leg shook like it was an earthquake. <laughs> and that was my first orgasm. I rated it an A on the fuck quality scale. <laughs> like, what? This is like, she's in her 30s? Wow. I mean, I guess. I don't know. Um, But she said that he was slow, patient, and sweet. All right. So I guess that's what she needed. People, meanwhile, Golden Girls fans are reading this being like, when the fuck are we getting to Golden Girls? Uh, yeah, it's like fucking 10 pages away still. Because she was the whore in the show, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I think they were all kind of joking, but I think they always made fun of her for being the easy one. Yeah, Blanche. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wait, was it? Yeah, yeah. So you can probably guess that he rated an A on her fucked up scale. Yeah. Her fuck, fuck quality scale, I should say. Patient and sweet. Woo, that's the way to get an orgasm. John wrote her um, saying he was flying into New York to shoot another movie. So he wanted to uh, try it again. Rue said he, she could see him through the week, but had to reserve the weekends for Peter. <laughs> Peter. 
So She's getting Peter. Yeah, she is. Lots of Peter. But Peter eventually was all like, you're acting like a harlot and you should be ashamed. So this right here is telling me that, no, the open relationship was not Peter's idea. Yeah. Because he is fed up with it and is like, you should be ashamed of yourself. But Peter, in my book, I'm going to tell him that it was your idea. <laughs> Who do you think they'll believe? But he demanded that she break it off with John and Rue said she would. So Rue and John went and had dinner when he told her he didn't have a job and came to New York to propose to her. Damn. Rue thought this was the most romantic thing ever and wanted to say yes, but oh, she promised Peter that she would say no. And her word is her bond. Right. Look, I don't know how I can say this. Peter gave me an orgasm. <laughs> an orgasm. <laughs> Roll those R's. I don't know. So she's all like, sorry, John. Gotta stay with Peter. So Mark has been gone this whole damn time. <laughs> Staying with the parents. And we're like, what about Mark? So Is what she never said. <laughs> So Rue's sister wrote her and basically said, if you don't take care of your kid, I'm going to adopt him as my own. Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Rue later found out that her sister really had no way of adopting him, but wanted to startle her into taking care of her own goddamn son. You're telling me you're not taking my kid? What the fuck is this? Mm -hmm. So when Peter mentioned getting married, Rue was like, hey, how about next week? Because I, I, I can't be single and have a child. So she was desperate to move Mark back and thought it would be possible with a husband. All right. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, by the way, I have a kid. Yeah. What? <laughs> Peter's like, who? <laughs> Mark's like, who? <laughs> she knew it wasn't a good reason. She even put this in her book. It wasn't a good reason to get married, but she just felt like she had nothing else to do. Yeah, that's There's how you always want to get married when you're in a bind. Of course. Uh, so they married April 1965 in a brief ceremony. And had a three-day honeymoon where, you know, Peter insisted that they have sex every night. Rue would regret marrying Peter because, surprise, surprise, he was an asshole. Oh. So, for example, when she made breakfast and broke the yolk on the egg, he would imply that breakfast was ruined. You know, because you can't have a broken yolk. Oh, God. Um, you're, you're pointing things out that I do. Like, when something goes wrong, I'm like, this is ruined. <laughs> But Rue felt, I mean, Rue uh, felt like she just may go to hell for this because she broke the yoke. I mean, that's how bad he made it. He sounds like a religious dude. I don't know. Although having sex before marriage, maybe not. Mm, true. But she said, you know, sexually, you know, he was warm and sweet. But when they argued, he would turn into another person. Ugh. He was very harsh and wouldn't back down. He slapped Rue across the face, warning her not to disagree with him or display anger towards him, or she would get much worse. So, probably pretty religious then? Yeah, I'm thinking so. Yeah, you know, it no. lines up with the religion. Um, hmm. So this lasted seven years. Jesus. Because she was twice divorced and didn't want to have another divorce under her belt. All right. The book title would say otherwise. Yeah, right. Not only was this traumatic for Rue, but it was also for Mark as well. Who? <laughs> there is an incident with her son that we'll talk about in a minute. So in 1966, Rue was still married to Peter. She was acting in a musical called Take Me Along. So she also landed a leading role as Lady McBird in the play McBird. 
Go figure. Yeah. Uh, she earned the off-Broadway minimum of $50 a week for nine months. She was offered a job through Hartford uh, Stage Company for 175 a week. They agreed to hire Peter as well for 125 mm. so a little less. Rue was all like, hey, can you just make it 150 each and just don't tell Peter because he's a dick? You know, it's funny. It's like this whole time we really haven't talked about her acting. That doesn't seem to be what she's interested in. No. It was a lot about her sex. She did talk about some things that she was in. But yeah, and there's some other things that I threw in here. Like, this isn't just her book. I also threw in some other stuff that I found. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, if you want to read the book and get more detail, you certainly can. I did like how she pointed out how much she got paid. Because I find that just so fascinating. Yeah. Of how much she got paid versus now. And it's very interesting that she stood up for Peter. Like, she had the power at the time. Like, I wouldn't think that women would have the ability to negotiate that for other people. Mm-hmm. But she must have been pretty good, I guess. Or. Oh, no. Not being truthful. I don't know. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, or she's having sex with the guy. <laughs> <laughs> or she's having sex with the producer. I don't know. No. They moved from New York to Hartford, Connecticut uh, for the job. Uh, through the Hartford Stage Company, she played leading roles in Skinflint Out West, the Three Penny Opera, as well as others. She loved playing a frumpy maid in Noel Coward's Hay Fever, mm-hmm. even though she would have loved to play the leading role, of course. Who doesn't want to be a leading lady? I had sex with that man, and he still didn't give me the leading role. <laughs> He's like, I think you would be great as a frumpy maid. Yeah, that's more like Lucille Ball, I think. She was she was into doing it with the bigger guys to get a role. Yeah, that's true. See our episode on that. Yeah, that was the first one. I can't say it's my best. I was really nervous during that one. Ah. Rue would soon receive a letter that rocked her world. It's from Mark. (laughs) I'm your son, remember? Oh, my God. Norman uh, was in a terrible car accident, uh, which was around April 1966. He had an interview as a drama critic, but it was in New York and he was in California. So he decided to gather a couple of friends up and they were just going to take turns and drive straight to New York. God damn. This is a 40 hour drive. Yes. 2,790 ish miles. One end of the country to the other. Yeah. That's why I said literally one side of the map to the other. Diagonally. That's how they measure TVs <laughs> to give you the longest measurement. Oh, gosh. So Norman, he drove the first eight hours from L.A. to Reno, and it was about 3 a.m., which means they left L.A. around 7 p.m.? Why? (laughs) We're driving straight through, so might as well leave at the latest hour that we can. This is, again, this is just another reason why I'm, like, side-tilting my head at her book. Like, how much of this is really true? Then they got held up, and they got into a fistfight and gunfight and shot a bunch of people and... You're like, okay, Rue, 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 please, this is not true. We got to erase that. That can't go in the book. But Norman, well, he passed the car off to somebody else to drive. He fell asleep in the passenger seat, but was jarred awake shortly after. The car ran through some roadblocks, warning signs, and must have hit something hard because Norman was thrown from the car and skidded about 40 feet on the pavement. Damn. The guy passed out from the smell. He was sleeping before, and then when it was his turn to drive, he's passed out from Norman's fucking smell. Maybe. But he remembers not being able to move his legs. Uh, His spinal column was broken just above the waist. So he would live the next 30 years as a paraplegic, but advocate for more wheelchair-accessible sidewalks in New York. So he was all like, you know, I'm 
I have this wheelchair and I realized New York sucks getting around. So that was, I thought that was good. He would end up passing away September 14th, 1994. Oh, geez. Yeah. The other two friends in the car were minimally injured and no one was wearing their seatbelt. They suspect the driver fell asleep like immediately after driving. I don't know. Yeah. Who knew driving for California from New York would, would nonstop would have that issue. Yeah. So Rue told Peter her and Mark were going to go visit Norman because, you know, husband, love. I don't know. Sure. But Peter wasn't really very happy about this and says if she goes, they are through. And she was like, well, since I can't argue with you, then fine. So I'm like, ah, got him back for what, yeah. he, what he's, he's like. Don't argue with me. I'll slap you across the face. Don't argue with me. I'll leave you in this bed. Oof. Come after me. Rue and Mark found a tiny place in Manhattan and lived there. Her mom would beg her to come back to Ardmore and open up a dancing school and live a normal life. But Rue just couldn't do it. She believed in herself and knew with a little luck she would make it into showbiz. All right. 1968, she got a role in a, a new Broadway comedy called Jimmy Shine by Murray Shizgle. Shizgle, okay. And he was, it was starring Dustin Hoffman. Oh, young Dustin Hoffman, huh? That's a big name. Her part was playing a prostitute that has her pimp, I mean boyfriend, in a closet waiting to jump out and rob her clients. Jesus. <laughs> like, well, that kind of sounds like a, a neat movie to watch. One of Rue's L.A. friends, Jared Barclay, was directing a play called The Golden Fleece that he wanted her to be in. So she was all like, sure. Little did she know that this was going to be a turning point in her career. Mm. At the opening night party, she was seated at a table. She looked across from her and saw Norman Lear. All right. Not to be confused with Norman Hartwig, her second husband. But the guy is, who's paraplegic. Yeah. Norman Lear. TV royalty. Yeah, pretty much. I'm sure she about had a heart attack and found out that Norman Lear was the producer's father-in-law. And of course... Norman Lear sounds familiar because if you listen to B. Arthur, um, you know that he discovered her mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to that, check it out. And if you have listened, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for supporting us. Go listen to it, though. Yeah. Again, maybe. Could have missed something. Norman thought Rue's performance was amazing and said he hopes to hire her someday. At the time, he was working on a movie called Cold Turkey, and a couple of years later started a TV show all in the family. The Golden Fleece ended a few weeks later, but meeting Norman Lear was going to come back around. Oh, there is a conflict in her, in her book that I found out. If Norman Lear discovered her in The Golden Fleece, or Who's Happy Now? I see. So she said The Golden Fleece, but everything out there says Who's Happy Now. Either way, she was discovered. It doesn't really matter. I don't know. Yeah. So what's the old saying? Try, try again? Mm-hmm. Yep. In some cases, that's good. But in the case of trying a relationship with Peter again, it's not a good idea. The guy's an asshole. Ugh. So Rue and Peter decided to try, try their marriage again. They moved into a house together and bought a car together. I mean, everything was in Peter's name, of course. Oh, no. They even adopted a puppy, for Christ's sakes. Mm. So when Peter was away at work. Everything was happy-go-lucky, you know, relaxing. But when he came home, there were rules. Like, don't go barefoot. No barefoot oh. in the house. Feet are gross. Wasn't it Peter and her sucking toes? Or um, Oh, that's right. I'm losing uh, track of these men. That's weird. <laughs> He's like, look, I've tasted your toes. Cover that shit up. 
I didn't even put that together until now. Don't touch his turntable. Well, I mean, come on. That's... Yeah. And don't even think about going into a sacred den. Okay. Yeah. Don't think about it. So Rue and Mark felt that they couldn't really relax around him, always having to walk on eggshells. They were afraid things would get physical if they did anything wrong, and they were right, which we'll get to in a moment. I see. Before that, in February 1970, Peter and Rue were in an off-Broadway production play, playing husband and wife in the dark of the moon. That May, she was selected by the Village Voice Obie Awards to receive a Best Actress Obie for her performance in Golden Fleece. All right. Wait. Record scratch. Per Obie.com, the source, and several other sources, it was her performance in Who's Happy Now? So, so are these the discrepancies that set you off at first? Started, yeah. Yeah. It gets worse because then now I'm like, wait, now I gotta fucking fact check everything. God damn it. That's why it took me fucking three months. <laughs> anyway, either way, you know, she was just happy because Obie Awards, you know, that's it's always nice to be awarded something yeah. if you're working hard at it. So, but at the same time, she was offered a play in England called The Rare Show. It was a musical documentary on American Revolution that would be filmed in England. Okay. Luckily, she would still be able to go to the Obie Awards show since the rehearsal would be in New York and then move to England. So, shoo. I thought she was going to have to miss these Adobe Awards. Yeah. Obie Awards. I, I want to say Adobe. The Adobe Awards? <laughs> we will figure out how to export PDFs on your computer. <laughs> Congratulations, Rue, for figuring all that out. I'm a programmer in my free time. (laughs) I'm so smart. So she doesn't remember the award show because Peter made it awful. Oh, geez. So this could be why maybe she didn't remember what movie it was for. Uh, Peter complained about his role in Dark of the Moon, the idiots that give out Obies, and her job that would send her off to England. She cried the whole time and couldn't wait for her job in England. (sighs) Luckily, Mark went back to Ardmore and didn't have to stay with Peter while she was away. No, of course. You can't take your son with you. When Rude returned from her trip, she missed Mark but didn't miss Peter one damn bit. Uh, I'm surprised it wasn't the other way around. (laughs) She missed Peter but didn't miss Mark one damn bit. I mean, maybe, but this is what she put in her book. She stayed with him anyway. I don't get it. He made her orgasm. I can't. I I mean, maybe that's... That is true. Just the one time, but I mean, still, no, I don't know. (laughs) On her return, she was cast in four films. Um, She only talks about two in her book, which I found weird. The People Next Door, playing a secretary and a mistress. They Might Be Giants, playing Daisy Playfair. The third not mentioned in her book was The Pursuit of Happiness. And also, Some of My Best Friends Are. Okay. Anyway, just mentioning some things. Around the same time, she would be cast in a soap opera, Another World. Oh, okay. Here it comes. She played a cook and a nanny to infant twins. Her character was so liked that they upped her appearance from three shows a week to five shows a week. Oh, Jesus. Paying 150 per show, which would be about 1100 today. God damn. Not too bad. The thing about her character, though, is she was batshit crazy. She would sprinkle a mysterious white powder into the mother of the twin soup, which would result in over-the-top dramatic hospital scenes and allow her character to spend more time with the baby's daddy. Oh, I see. Hopefully she's not getting any ideas from this. (laughs) (laughs) This was very scandalous. So one day, Rue received a letter from a fan. 
And it stated, while I admire your tenacity, you're obviously using the wrong poison. She would continue the letter saying, which poison to use? Just use a pharmacist who owes you a favor like I did. And soon you'll be happily married to John, who is the baby's daddy. It worked for me. Sincerely, Miss X. Shit. This is a real life person. Like I did. That's horrifying. Yeah. Rue would say that soaps are a strange world with a strange audience. I mean, yeah. Uh, also, the most boring work she's ever done comparing it to soggy cereal. Jeez. Soaps are boring as fuck. Convince me otherwise. I remember watching soaps as a as a kid, and mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my god, I don't even, I can't even. You almost have to watch them from beginning to end to even know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, whenever I'd have the day off for school, my parents would just leave me with my grandparents taking a page out of Rue's book. <laughs> it was not a six-hour drive. But my grandmother, Did you get ice cream? <laughs> they told me I would, and they dropped me off there. Uh, my grandmother would watch her stories, of course, as she said. Right. And it was so damn boring. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think I think if anybody that's had to go through that will know. But after a character on the show was caught and hauled off to jail, she moved to another soap, which is called Where the Heart Is. Her character there was also a killer, but a successful one. She would supplement her soggy roles in soaps for commercials. All right. So she would be a wife rubbing absorbin. I think that's how you pronounce it, Junior, on her husband's shoulders. A zany shopper trying on girdles. A leggy cocktail waitress. She was happy to get these after 60 auditions over four years. Oh, my God. Like, wow. I mean, she just got like a handful of commercials and she did over 60 auditions. That's insane. So here is when things get physical. Remember when I said things were going to come back around with Mark? Mm -hmm. So when he was 13, he got in an argument with Peter, which resulted in slapping, shouting, and things breaking. My guess is Mark got the brunt of it. Rue said she heard him say, you know, this really isn't the way to communicate with me. So Mark was trying to be reasonable with Peter. And it's like... (sighs) If I was a mom, if I was a mom and I heard my child getting into a fight, I would be there and I would be trying to do something. Yes. But she just stayed downstairs. Of course. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong. Everybody's going to do something different. I've never, I've kind of been in a situation like that. Oh, but not really? With, not mm. with a son, with with a partner. And yeah, I went at it. I, I, I was scrappy and you bet I beat some shit out of some things i'm sorry to hear that maybe people but it's just i don't know that's my reaction Mm -hmm. but everybody's going to react differently so i'm not trying to put people down if that's if they were in that situation and didn't do anything it's just not personally what i would have done yeah so we was like you know this is a final straw you know you're trying to beat up on my son so brew and mark moved uh in with a friend (laughs) however this friend, like John, I think his name was. <laughs> We're losing track. <laughs> I know. I actually have it written down on an envelope that oh, yeah. <laughs> I should have brought in here. <laughs> but this friend, like John, does not like kids. And she also doesn't like dogs. Which it didn't help that their dog pooped in the house the first day they were there. Oh, geez. Like, of course, it's the dog is marking his territory. So Rue felt that she needed to move back in with Peter. Since he apologized and all. Oh, no. But Mark told Rue, Mother, I can't live with you anymore unless you leave the Hulk. Oh, wow. 
So Rue put her big girl panties on and told Peter to move out of the house. He wasn't too happy, but she kind of spun it like, hey, you need to be in New York and in the theatrical environment. Plus, New York apartments are cheaper. And she offered to buy her car off of him. All right. So we're done with Peter. Let's move on to the next man, which was her psychologist. Oh, no. Can't. I mean, geez, of course. Uh, but by this time, their sessions were over. So not as unethical, I suppose. Not a patient with yeah. him. Still probably against their rules, at least how they are today. Maybe not then. Yeah. He rated an A on her weird sex scale, her fuck quality scale. Oh, Jesus. He was also into threesomes. Hello. Which I wonder if he was or if she was. <laughs> yeah. But... He came to me asking for, for threesomes. <laughs> but that was not Rue's thing, of course. I mean. Mm. So she invited him to a play opening where he ran around like a child and said inappropriate, embarrassing things to people. Oh, wow. I just found that so funny because, you know, he's a psychologist, so you kind of think of them as being a little professional. Yeah, like... And kind of know what to say and what not to say. Like, they would have their shit together. But then he's all like, ooh, I'm in a different environment. I'm free. I'm going to be fucking weird. (laughs) 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 Oh... But remember Norman Lear? Yes. Sitting across the table. He's coming back. He wanted her to audition for a role all in All in the Family. Okay. She auditioned, but was not able to do the role because it conflicted with a movie she was going to be in. Per her book, Norman told her, don't worry. I'll find you just as good of a role when, when you're done. You know, you just do your thing. Mm-hmm. The movie she couldn't pass up was a PBS production of The Rimmers of Eldritch. <laughs> Do you know this one? No, I just rimmers, you know, like eating, <laughs> eating butt, eating ass. <laughs> oh, they were ass eating eldritch people. I don't know. It's about a murder in a small town with big religion leading to the trial of the wrong person. All right. Rue played the owner of the hilltop restaurant who befriends a young biker. Who likes to rim. <laughs> Oh, I'll rim your asshole all day. And suck your toes. <laughs> uh, you rim my asshole, I'll suck your toes. <laughs> <laughs> How is that going to work? It's not 69. What is it? Like 77? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, something, it'd have to be like that. It's the 79. <laughs> Rue was done. Norman Lear called, called her and was like, get out here and be in my show um, all in the family, goddammit. Because that's what he said. God damn it, get out here. Yeah, that movie sucked. All it was was eating ass for an hour and a half. <laughs> Norman also had Rue in his other show, Maud. With? B. Arthur, yeah. Yeah. Uh, saying the actress that was currently playing Vivian, which is Maud's best friend, wasn't working out. So. All right. And again, we just mentioned B. If you listen to her celebrity spotlight, thank you. But you know that she was the main character. Uh, in Maud. Yes. B and Rue clicked from the start per her book. <laughs> per her. Per her book. Rue said she was never intimidated by B, but she threw the fear of God into a lot of people uh, per her book. Citation needed. <laughs> and, and this is kind of what we concluded in, in B Celebrity Spotlight, that she was, you know, very, she had a strong work ethic. Yeah. When Rue was back in New York, 
she said everyone had asked her, what, were you scared working with B? Were, were you afraid? And she just laughed and said, no, I had a ball. Like she was some wild animal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did B, did B go after you? I'm sure if somebody didn't do something right, B would call them out on their shit. Yeah. According to Rue's book, her son Mark was miserable at his school and wanted to go back to Ardmore. Not sure if he wanted to go back or if she wanted him to go back because she didn't have a steady man in her life at the time. Oh, yeah. So. I found a great school for you. Let me, let's go drive six hours to go look at it. Either way, her parents welcomed him with open mm. arms. You know, they, they were cool with it. Rue would hire a 23-year-old aspiring actor to do some yard work in her yard. Oh, boy. She found him funny and sweet, but off limits. I think we all know I'm not talking about this because nothing happened. <laughs> yes. Per her book, he flirted with her and kissed her on a grassy hillside, which is right where they did the dirty. <laughs> she's just like... She didn't say that. I put that in. That would have been hilarious. But she's just like, I need to get a man so I could bring Mark back with me. <laughs> it's a curse. When a man is not here, Mark cannot be here. Her crazy grading scale, he was a capital A. Oh, shit. Her fuck quality scale. They didn't develop anything other than that, and he turned out to be a really good friend. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're just friends. Fuck buddies. Whatever. <laughs> 1974, Norman called again, asking Rue to move to California and be a regular on Maud. God damn it, just come out here. Yeah, I know. Rue let her son Mark know she was moving to LA, and he was all for it. So that's what they did. She's like, no, I said, I'm moving to L.A. <laughs> She's like, no, I had to pick you up on the way. Jesus. Rue admitted in her book that she had a crush on Norman Lear, who was married. Kill figure. And, and you know, she would never do such a thing. And I have to say, it, had, it crossed my mind. And uh, wondering if, if anything ever did happen. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking not because Norman Lear is a respectable person. Yeah, he seemed okay. I don't know of any... Uh... I don't know enough about him to know if there was any controversy with him. Yeah. But Rue would end up earning 1500 a show, uh, which today would be about $9,000. Yeah. It still wasn't really a lot by Hollywood standards, um, but she was working with Norman Lear, so she didn't care. Yeah. Here we go for the next man. One day, Rue found a stray golden retriever in her front yard. Crazy. She checked the local paper, and sure enough, there was an ad that fit the description. The owner... Just so happened to be a single man named Tool, and his dog name was Josh, which seems a little made up to me. Yes, very, very made up. I mean, I could see where the dog would be named Tool, and the guy named Josh. Her editor didn't catch that? I don't know. They're like, oh shit, you didn't catch it, that's backwards, I put the names wrong. It was just weird, but the next day, she was at his place where they had some hot tea and some hot sex. <laughs> <laughs> some hot tea and some hot A. And he was an A plus. Jeez. So yeah, but don't worry, it didn't it didn't last too long. Rue would eventually grow tired of him and not really ghost him, but not really tell him it's over. So I get it. I mean, it's tough, but the best thing to do, in my opinion, is to at least let him know. Oh, ghosting! I invented that. Uh, I mean, I don't know that I've ever done that to anybody. Yeah, I I've had it done. Yes. And it feels awful because you wonder, like, what did I do? Mm -hmm. What did they not like? Can we just talk about it? No, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. And I know people are like, clean break, clean break, you know, but it's like, 
I know. It sucks. Mm -hmm. So Rue's mom would end up having a heart attack and recover for three weeks. Just as she was getting up and around again, she had another heart attack, landing her in the hospital. Damn. Double heart attack. Yeah, like, oof. Rue was not able to get out of work right away, but left as soon as she could. She got to her childhood home in Ardmore and received a call from her uncle saying her mom had passed. Oh, shit. Yeah, she had a third heart attack in the hospital. Yeah, damn. And, and they just weren't able to revive her. Really raising a young boy in your old age. Yeah, Rue was devastated, and good thing Mark was old enough to take care of himself. <laughs> Like he has been doing this this whole time. time. (laughs) Yeah. Rue also mentioned that B and Norman Lear would be great support while she she grieved her mother. It's good to have friends. Yeah. So one day, Rue was taking out the garbage and noticed that a light was on in the laundry room. She was furious that Mark left the light on and he left the sliding glass door open. So she flew. She was mad. She was pissed. She's going down this hill just crazy. And the glass door was, in fact, closed. And it must have been really clean because she couldn't tell. But you can probably guess. You know, she's heading towards this door thinking it's open. Yeah. She goes through this door. Oh, shit. Uh, face first, shattering the glass door and cutting herself to bits. God. I'm talking flaps of skin hanging from her face kind of bits. Oh, God. She also severed some toes. So, I mean, after this happens, who does she call? I was going to say, does she send those toes to? <laughs> to Peter? Yeah. You could suck on these now. (laughs) You could suck on them like ice cubes. (laughs) But she doesn't call the EMS. Uh, She doesn't call the police. None of those people that can really help. She calls Norman Lear. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She explains in her book that she called him so he would get her the finest arthroscopic surgeon in L.A., which he did. All right. Makes sense. He's a powerful man. Side note, though. You would not want an arthroscopic surgeon. Arthroscopic is the type of procedure a surgeon would use to look at joints and such. I don't see how that would benefit her. She would definitely want a plastic surgeon, though. And Norman's like, well, I don't know. I'm not a fucking doctor. I just got you the first thing that came to mind. I just, like, I'm going to school and I'm learning some medical stuff. Yeah. Um, And I was just like, arthroscopic surgeon? I've never fucking heard of that. So, yeah, no, there is no such thing. So blood transfusion and some stitches later, she'd be back to work in a week. God. Can you believe it? Does she look like Two-Face from Batman? But we're like, all right, Rue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Rue, welcome back. Uh. Um, I don't know. I couldn't find anything on this. Yeah. Anything. So I'm just, I'm going with it because it's a good read. She either exaggerated the severity of it or exaggerated the time, maybe. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, God, they had to sew my face back on and... My arms back on and my legs. And <laughs> my toes. I was back to work the next day. But you may be asking yourself, how does glass shatter so easy? You know? It doesn't. It Coming to find out, it was installed without a permit using standard glass. Okay. Instead of the reinforced glass for sliding glass doors. So Rue got a lawyer and, it was, with, and was awarded 30000 in damages. All right. So, yeah. But again, I couldn't find anything online where it confirmed that she got her face stitched up and went back to work after a week. Basically, you have to have stitches in for seven to ten days. Yeah. When you have new stitches on your face, it's going to be red for a while. I know this for a fact because I was cut up in a car wreck, as I mentioned on every episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big deal. (laughs) But yeah, I do have scars on my face and... 
my face was pretty hideous for a little bit. I'm mm. not anymore. I love my face. It's good. So are we ready for the next man? Sure. I'm not. But here we go. Louis Rio was a prop guy. He was fun to flirt with and told interesting stories. I mean, if that's not a reason to sleep with someone, I don't know what is. It was for her enough. He was an A on our fuck quality scale. Why do you even have it if everybody's going to be an A? <laughs> what is wrong with you? You have an orgasm? You think sex is just wonderful now? Jesus. But when he proposed, she broke it off. All right. I don't know why, because she doesn't have a man and she needs a man, but he's a prop guy, so maybe that wasn't good enough. So Rue got word that Tom Bish, who was now Tom Lloyd, I'm thinking this was a mistake in her book because Lloyd is Tom's middle name. Oh, okay. Anywho, he's Mark's father and Rue's first husband. They got word that he was in a terrible accident and almost burned to death. This got Rue reconnected with good old Tom. Jeez. Possibly Tom Lloyd. I don't know. (laughs) We don't sometimes. Citation needed. (laughs) His car spontaneously caught fire while he was driving. By the time he pulled over... He was on fire. Both his ears were burned off. He had burns on his face, his torso. His right arm was so damaged he could never completely recover from it. Their reconnection did not bring Tom closer to Rue or Mark. Again. He still found Rue to be annoying and just didn't want to be a dad. Kill me. <laughs> he probably put the car on fire himself trying to kill himself. He's like, I can't. Even though they're not in a relationship, he's like, I can't. He's wanting to say some words. This is his first word since he's in this accident. Curl. Are you in pain? Don't want to be a dad. <laughs> oh, God. Uh. By the end of her second season in Maud, Rue was making 2500 a show. She hired an agent who got her bumped up to 4000 in the third season, so not too shabby. No. She's starting to rake in the dough right now. 1975, we'll move on to the next man, a Greek realtor named Gus Fisher, who she never named in her book. She just called him the Greek. All right. And I think after I get into the relationship, you'll understand why. You only like Greek food? (laughs) Yes. You got it. Yeah, you're so smart. They had sex five times in a row, but he was only a B on her fuck quality scale. Oh, damn. Here I was thinking everybody was just going to be an A. You know, it... Once is just enough, I guess, for her. I guess. He didn't put his finger in my butthole. (laughs) It's a B. B for no butthole play. (laughs) They got along just fine, but she just wasn't that interested in him. After about a year later, the Greeks said they needed to get married or they would drift apart. Uh, Rue didn't want to marry him, but said yes anyways. Jesus. She didn't want to feel abandoned. Um, Okay. Without consulting her pro-teenage son by now, they moved in with the Greek. Yep. All right. As you do. On their honeymoon, they went to Caramel, and Ru remembers thinking, Oh, Lord, God in heaven, I don't love this man. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) 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 Why? (laughs) Why? I don't love this man. It wasn't long before Rue had the feeling the Greek was using her for her celebrity status. Not the Greek. He would insist she go with him to his real estate functions, even though she really didn't want to. When they would fight, there was no shouting or fighting. He would just not talk to her or acknowledge her for days. Well, okay. I guess it beats getting beat. Yeah, true. Or I think even she mentioned a time where... 
she was strangled but oh that old thing yeah you know not too long into the marriage the greek would want to stop working and you know go to commercial real estate school for eight months you know just to up his up his game a little Mm -hmm. and after the eight months he just he needed to take a year off you know he he needed to decide what he really wanted to do just just couldn't work right now he's got to get his head straight don't know if you can hear my eyes rolling (laughs) they are rolling so fucking hard right now because dude by 1977 rue had enough they separated and then divorced rue would say in her book that he juiced her like a ripe tomato i'm not sure how much he got but it was half of everything even mark's college fund because she was starting to make some good money yeah so she had she had probably a good chunk of change And this guy took half. So here's a lesson, I guess, from that, ladies, is that if someone that you do not love asks you to marry them, just don't. Yeah, just don't. Or if you do, get a prenup. You have the ability to say no. Mm Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I get she didn't want to feel abandoned. Yeah. I get Tom Bish fucked her up in the head. But no. It was very costly. But, you know, that's her choice. She made it. It's done. There's nothing we can do but talk about it. So after Maud ended, Norman talked of a new series called uh, starring Rue called Apple Pie. All right. Yeah. It's where you fucking apple pie. No, just kidding. American Pie. <laughs> Rue was super excited. She would play a woman who finds herself alone in a big house during the Depression and would advertise for members of a family in the newspaper. So to get family members. Yeah, people just, to come in. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, wait, was it that easy to get a new family back then? Yeah, just... the depression, maybe. I don't know. Oh, I wish I would have done that. If she's paying people, absolutely, I bet. I would have been like, I'm four years old. My mom ran off. Please come get me. Anyway. Uh, that may not have been the best thing to do, I'm sure. <laughs> Especially as a kid. No, I, I did, but knowing my luck, I would end up with a worse family. <laughs> mm. You'd end up with uh, Mark. <laughs> Mark's your brother. Oh, oh, so Rue would be my mom. That's why I don't know her. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Before filming the pilot for Apple Pie, Rue did a movie called Balls, which was renamed Players. Okay. I think that was a good call. It starred Allie McGraw, Steve Gutenberg, and Dino Martin, which was Dean Martin's son. Okay. Dino would tragically be killed in a small plane crash shortly after this movie was so sad. Mm-hmm. Also, sadly, the new Apple Pie show would only air two episodes before being dropped. Rue wasn't really happy about it, but, you know, life goes on. NBC would offer Rue a year contract to be in two new pilots and two movies. No matter what, she would get $100,000. Oh, not bad. Yeah, for that year. She played a nurse in Mom and Me, MD, a blue-collar wife in the great depression and day the bubble burst a wife who gets stranded with her husband in a limo on the freeway called the great american traffic jam okay clever 1981 rue was cast in mama's family a spinoff of the carol burnett show she would play aunt fran who matched mama's insults for insult rue was always excited to play a spitfire role however the producers ended up making the spitfire character be mama's son's wife who was played by dorothy lyman mm-hmm. yeah she was very spitfire, spitfire very uh, sassy yeah yeah sassy the next man on our list is a tall handsome yugoslavian 
who moved next door to her ex-husband, Norman Hartwig. And his name was Drago Stintko. He was rated A on her freaky deaky fuck scale. Jesus. After they had sex, he insisted they move in together. As you would do. Rue insisted he keep his own place, but he could stay with her. She took Drago to a film premiere when Drago was, and this is quoting from her book, consumed with fashion for another woman. Rue said, well, move out. <laughs> this breakup would actually be very disastrous to Rue. She couldn't understand it. She wasn't in love with him, but she felt so rejected. Uh, of course. It was because, oh, we had sex. You were an A. And now we go to this show and, and you like another woman. So, so get out of here. Jesus. So remember Rue getting cast in Mama's Family? Yes. Filming started in 1982. Rue started feeling a pain in her side and it, it just kept getting worse. The studio doctor said it sounds like gallbladder trouble and recommended that she eat bread with butter on it. Okay. <laughs> I know. And if it gets worse, let him know. Baby, I want to butter your bread. <laughs> <laughs> so she ate this buttered bread and was writhing on the floor. Anyone with gallbladder issues knows how freaking painful this is. Mm -hmm. I had mine taken out two decades ago, and I still remember the pain I was in. I'm surprised she wasn't shitting herself, too. But she probably didn't want to put that in her book. Maybe not. She put everything else in. Yeah. She's all like... I was writhing and shitting myself on the floor. I can't let people know I'm into shit play. <laughs> so she was rushed to the hospital, which took three days of testing to then remove her gallbladder along with a portion of her liver. Okay. So here we go. Medical stuff. I love it. Why would a portion of your liver be removed? Well, if you're asking this yourself the same question i have the answer in rare cases your liver can be ectopic which means it's not where it's supposed to be the gallbladder is just below your liver so when the liver becomes ectopic it can cuddle up with your gallbladder i have no clue if this is the reason why some of rue's liver needed removed but it's my speculation yeah sounds okay sounds good so in that rare instance if that's true she also had another rare case after her surgery called Adult Respiratory Distress Syndrome, which is when fluid accumulates in tiny air sacs in your lungs, causing a person not to be able to get a full breath. And it also has a 60% mortality rate. Jesus. Yeah. She was just like panting because she couldn't breathe. Fuck. Um, and I think doctors were like, whatever, you'll be fine. Yeah. They were like, oh shit. So they had to intubate her and put her under heavy sedation for four days. The doctor called her dad and said, hey, if you want to see your daughter alive, you best get your ass out here. Well, his new wife, to whom no one knew he got married to, didn't really like to fly. So they drove from Oklahoma to L.A. Okay. <laughs> By the time they arrived, Rue's prognosis was much better. While Rue was recovering, according to her book, Vicki Lawrence, she played Mama on Mama's Family, mm -hmm. thought she needed some cheering up. So Vicki hired a stripper to go to the hospital. The timing of the stripper could not have been worse. A friend, his mom, wife, and two children were visiting. Oh, no. After three weeks of being in the hospital, Rue left the hospital AMA, which is against medical advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess she was like, I'm fine. I'm getting out of here. For the next couple of years, her voice wasn't the same from the intubation, uh, which vocal cord paralysis can happen after her intubation and usually requires uh, speech therapy. 
but I don't think they were really concerned about that in the 80s. Yeah, probably not. She still went on to do Mama's Family. She was also a fortune teller in The Skin of Our Teeth. Later, she would be written out of Mama's Family as Aunt Fran choked to death on a chicken bone. Jesus. (laughs) What a way to go. But don't eat those chicken bones, man. Yeah, who would want to do that, though? I don't... My mom used to. Ew, really? I know. I It was really gross. She would eat the the gristle, which is the joint. <laughs> and then eat the bone. It was gross. Anyway, moving on to number five. Mambo number five. A little bit of Mark. No. <laughs> A little bit of Peter. On my side. A little bit of Tom. A pie. <laughs> <laughs> An old friend from high school called Rue to let her know that Tom Keel had just gotten divorced. Tom Keel was an old boyfriend from high school. So Rue went to Texas, scooped him up, and brought him home to marry him in 1984. Jesus, like a fucking trophy. <laughs> I'm going to be going through Texas. I'm just going to scoop up this new husband here. And people are all like, well, she's an actress and, you know, she's making good money. Why not? I guess. I don't know. I don't even know what... What the men had to really say in this, because it's just from her point of view. Probably nothing, yeah. But it was like a fairy tale to her. This was the one. He also rated an A on her fuck quality scale. Go figure. Yeah. Well, it lasted for about a year. (laughs) Oh, God. And they both realized they were different people than they were in high school. Yeah, remember when you kidnapped me from Texas? Yeah. Uh, So this would be her fifth marriage ending in divorce and per Rue's book she offered some advice believe it or not okay I think she her advice from her would probably be good since she's been through it uh she said be careful 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 whom you marry mm-hmm. no shit no shit because who was it was it Gus was there a Gus the, the no the Greek was oh. it the Greek that she didn't really love that's right yeah <laughs> Yeah, I should have brought those names in because I get them all uh, confused. Be careful, like I wasn't when I married the Greek. <laughs> I don't even remember his name. <laughs> I can't even speak his name anymore. 1985, she was in Love Boat and was a guest on Give Me a Break and Charles in Charge. Then her agent sent her a script for a pilot called The Golden Girl. What? Go figure. <laughs> when Rue read the script, she knew she was perfect for Blanche who was a uh, fun-loving, promiscuous lady in her 60s. Hmm, why do I identify with her so much? Hmm. However, the producers were thinking Betty White for that role, and Rue would be Rose, who was a sweet, caring, naive lady in her mid-50s. After auditioning, the producers saw that Betty would be best for Rose and Rue be best for Blanche, and I could not agree more. She slept with them to get the part. Probably. You know, you'd be great for Blanche. (laughs) After what we just did, you toe-sucking whore. Oh, gosh. Uh, Per Rue's book, (laughs) their creator of the series, Susan Harris, would call Rue and ask her to talk to B. Arthur because she turned down the role of Dorothy. Oh, okay. I don't ever remember reading anything like this in the research I did for B. I did try to dig a little bit and found per cheatsheet.com. Even though the role of Dorothy was written with B in mind. So I don't know why she would have to talk her into it. But anyway, NBC didn't think the viewers would receive B well due to her role in Maud. They wanted Elaine Stitch to play Dorothy instead. I can see that since she played a sharp tongue, sassy character. Uh, that was kind of her thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
However, Elaine bombed her auditions, so NBC went with B. How about that? So I don't think Rue was ever called to talk B into anything. Yeah, it's so strange. She's just like, I helped everybody. Yeah. I did everything. Another thing that was conflicting is that she wrote that she used cue cards in the Golden Girls. And if you haven't listened to Estelle Getty's Celebrity Spotlight, I explained that Estelle needed cue cards due to her anxiety. Peru, everyone needed it because they were not given time to learn the script. Uh-huh. She said Betty refused to wear her glasses, so she had to memorize her lines after seeing them only once and never made a mistake. That's a little, just a big stretch, yeah. Betty is, is probably a smart lady, or was a smart lady, but I just can't wrap my head around that. Estelle Getty could fly in her personal life as well. Like, <laughs> Ro, we're not putting this in the book. What? This is ridiculous. So when I do my research, I do try to make sure the major things have a couple different resources, because the last thing I want to do is throw out some misinformation. I'm sure it's bound to happen because I can't check every little detail. Yeah. However, I do try to, to at least bring as, as factual things as possible. So here's where I get a little over the top. Rue's book said that she was the youngest on the set. And I'm like, let's fact check that because mm-hmm. I don't believe a goddamn word you're saying. <laughs> the Golden Girls first aired in 1985, making Rue to be 51. B was 63. Betty was also 63, and Estelle was 62. I'll be damned. Mm, She was right. (laughs) She's got to be right at one point. For the first time in her life. In her book. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I referenced age-wise in all my research was Estelle was one year younger than B in real life playing her mom on the show. Yes. Um, So I was right, too. (laughs) It's been a minute since we talked about a man. So let's move on to her next man, which would be Tom Lloyd, the artist formerly known as Tom Bish. Remember this guy? Yeah. He he is the man she is madly in love with, probably because she doesn't want anything to, probably because he doesn't want anything to do with her and the father of her baby child. Yeah. So I get baby child from Mama Tot on TikTok. She's shoe lover 99. Oh, yeah. I I know, Scott, you don't know anything about her. I do not. I absolutely love her. And if you like TikTok, um... Go follow Shoelover99 because she's funny. By this time, Mark, the baby child, was out living his life, which was probably best because Tom would still not want anything to do with him. <laughs> Rue and Tom lived together for nine months, having none of the sex. Oh, wow. Not with the lack of her trying, but he just did. He just wasn't interested. All right. For Christmas, he gave her a vibrator. <laughs> a quote from her book. Yep, nothing says happy birthday, Jesus, like a three-speed sex toy. <laughs> that's, uh, that's funny. That's a riot. I yeah. mean, if you bought me a sex toy for Christmas, I'd be pissed. <laughs> yeah. Unless I asked for it. I don't know. Unless, I mean, yeah. Unless we were going to do some fun things with it. But we were just like, I don't want to do anything with you, so here's this sex toy to keep you occupied. Yeah, it's kind of shitty. No. So once they went to therapy together and the therapist said Tom sees Rue as his father, which I thought was an odd thing to say, Mm -hmm. but I think he was right because Tom hated his father. So after that session, Rue was cured and moved uh, and Tom moved out. So that was it. Oh, that was all, huh? That's all that she needed to have said is that uh, you're his father. Okay. In his eyes. And she's all like, peace out. Gross. I do find it odd. That a few years later, when Tom was diagnosed with advanced liver disease, not expecting to live, Rue ran out to be by his side. Of course. And 
she met his new wife. Oh, shit. (laughs) But he ended up living. And Rue didn't see him for another 15 years, which was in 2005. Oh, wow. Mark wanted to look his dad up and like, hey, who is this guy that that uh, inseminated you that made me? I don't know him. So they went up and paid him a visit. And then 11 months later, Tom would pass in his sleep. So, All right. I, I mean, I'm glad she pointed out that Mark was curious about his dad because I'm, I'm surprised this if that wasn't the first time he said something. Yeah, he, he probably had, brings it up a lot. Yeah, he had to have been like, who's my daddy? Everybody else got daddy. I don't got daddy. <laughs> the first season of Golden Girls was a smash hit. Pretty much everyone was nominated for an Emmy in 1986. Per Rue's book, 17 Emmys were given, but per Emmys.com, I counted 15. Eh, that's a minor number. I can take that. <laughs> I know. I get real nitpicky up in this thing, so watch out. Out of the four Golden Girls nominated, Betty took the Emmy home. The next year, everyone was nominated again, which Rue won that one. 1988, B and Estelle won uh, that one. And in 1989, everyone was nominated, but no one won. Uh, Outstanding guest actor was given to Candace Bergman, who was Murphy and Murphy Brown. Yeah, the titular Murphy Brown, yeah. Mm -hmm. I really like that show. Uh, 1990 to 1992... They would also be nominated and not win. Rue's book did confirm that Betty did get under B's skin. So, you know, that we're seeing that again. Yeah, listen to that episode. Um, we, we make jokes around that B is just mad about how nice Betty is. <laughs> God damn you, Betty. You're so nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Um, she would, B would get upset when Betty would go out and talk to the audience. I thought that was nice. Mm-hmm. Also, according to her book, the producers of the Golden Girls would tell her more than once Thank God for you, Rue. You hold things together. You're the glue. What the fuck? We'll see. Yeah. No. No, I cannot believe that. So when the show ended, it kept going because she was the glue, right? Rue the glue. No. B was the glue, thank you very much, in my opinion. Okay, so if you can't tell, her book is starting to piss me off. (laughs) I get you want to make yourself sound great, but give credit where credit is due for fuck's sake. I just... it. This really gets to me. Anywho, let's move on to the next love interest since we know she doesn't get married again. Or does she? Because her book gives it away. My first five husbands are the one that got away. I'm still not sure which one got away. Yeah, I don't know. The gardener or whatever. The guy who was gardening. Oh, maybe. The young one. The young 23-year-old. I don't know. They had sex on the hilltop or something. So Rue got a call from her friend who had a friend who had a father they wanted to fix her up with. Oh, Jesus. This would be George Steinmetz, a Beverly Hills psychiatrist. I don't think they wanted to fix her up to date him, but maybe get some psych meds. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) They dated for about three weeks before having sex. Again, not because Rue didn't want to, but because he didn't want to. Yeah. At least she respected their decision on that. According to her fuck quality scale, uh, he rated off the charts. There's that. I get, what is the point? I don't. It seems like everybody nails it. I, why they nail her. Uh, yeah. The Golden Girls was invited to a command performance in London held by the Queen Elizabeth II. All right. Uh, the Queen was a big fan, and it's, it's sad to hear about her recent passing. Before this... She and Gregory had lived together, went to therapy, and eventually broke up. 
she still took Gregory to this event since she had already invited him. Mm. The whole time there, he tried to get her to reconsider marrying him because he did propose. I don't know if I said that. I, I just don't understand how she jumps into marriage with some, but not in others. I don't know. Like, what's the deal with that? I, yeah, because, I the mean. The differences. Mark has grown, so maybe she's like, it's okay now? I, I guess. I don't know. I don't need a man. Hmm. So Rue started her own clothing line, which was on QVC called A Touch of Rue. I looked at some of them. Yeah, how bad? <laughs> It matches her age. Old lady. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 I could smell the mothballs. <laughs> Is it like pantsuits and stuff? Because didn't she wear those on Golden Girls? It was just very um, bold. Yes. Yeah. A lot of color. But she hated this because there was a power struggle with QVC. It lasted three years and she gave her notice. She vowed to never do that again, even though she won an award for her clothing design. So I couldn't confirm or disprove that she got an award yeah but she did say she got an award could be true that, that yeah. could be her book title could be true <laughs> title your sex date <laughs> around this time in 1990 she was in a film called modern love uh it was written and directed by robbie benson whose real life wife and child played his real wife wife and child in the movie oh wow i thought that was so cute i couldn't not not talk about yeah. it it really isn't fitting Anywhere, but I just wanted to say it. Around the early 80s, Rue and Norman Hartwig, husband number two, uh, they'd been writing a play together. Uh, by the end of the 80s, it was ready to go. The play was called Oedipus Schmedipus, As Long As You Love Your Mother, and it opened in 1991. So before I tear Rue's book apart, let's talk about this play. I'm sure Scott will have, will jump in because he knows a little bit about Greek mythology. Per Greek mythology... Oedipus killed his father and married his mother. Mm -hmm. The Oedipus complex per Freudian theory is when a young child around the age of four has sexual desire for the parent of the opposite sex and they wish to exclude the parent of the same sex. Oedipus Schmedipus is an old Jewish joke. Oh, yeah. A doctor diagnosed a mother's son with Oedipus complex and the mother said, Oedipus Schmedipus. However, I don't, I can't do a Jewish joke. <laughs> Uh, as far as Ruth's play goes, I couldn't find what it was about. Oh, really? I couldn't find anything. So if you know or if you find anything, listeners, please let me know because this killed me. I'm like, I need to find more about this play. What is it about? Is it about, you know, the kid, you know, like... Getting uh, it on. Killing his dad and getting it on with Rue? I don't know. And, and per her book, she spells Schmedipus wrong. But I'm just going to let that go. Uh, and I did search both spellings and still just couldn't find anything. Oh, yeah. But per her book, Norman Hartwig was in this play from the start to ending. However, she did an interview with New York Times and said that Norman Hartwig bowed out. And that's when the play went through more rewrites than a high school term paper. Hmm. Jesus, people, this is why I'm not liking Rue. Right. What the actual fuck can you believe coming from this lady's mouth? I don't know. She yeah. writes one thing in her book and then says a different thing in an interview. So per her book, they, her and Norman was driving home after the, the play ended. And Ruth said, I think we pulled it off. And when Norman said, you pulled it off. God, just making it about her. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Okay. Moving on. We are now at the time that B calls it quits with the Golden Girls, which was around 1991. The last episode aired in 1992. 
Rue bragged about her performance in the last episode, but I'm just going to let that go. See, I can be the bigger person. <laughs> yes. So this yeah. is when the Golden Palace starts, uh, which is Rue, which in Rue's book, she stated candidly, it doesn't sound hot to me. I think we should get a new roommate to replace Dorothy. And this I can get behind. But as we know, the Golden Palace lasted for one season and then CBS canceled it. Rue was in a play in Vienna, Australia called Lettuce and Lovage. Lettuce and Lovage. So she got to spend some time in Australia, which I'm super jealous about because I would love to go to Australia. Mm -hmm. She played a guide in an English museum leading tour groups through a long, boring history lesson until she decided to spice it up a bit and over-exaggerate the history. <laughs> go figure. Kind of <laughs> what she's doing in her own book. Exactly. Around 1993, Tom Keel came back into the picture, inviting Rue to a friend's B&B &B in New Jersey. Tom Keel was the old high school boyfriend she flew to Texas snatched up after he was divorced, making him husband number five. Supposedly, Tom talked about a lady he was in love with that didn't want to be exclusive. Also, he was being abstinent. However, one night, they supposedly got drunk and ended up doing the dirty but never talked about it again. Rue claims he was so drunk he probably didn't remember anything. Mm, not very good. Not good. Did she just rape this man? I don't know. That, that's what's going through my mind right now. I'm really scared. 1994. California had a devastating earthquake with a magnitude of 6.7, causing at least 57 fatalities, which rose to 72, including heart attacks and injured thousands. It cost $20 billion in damages and $40 billion in economic losses which is the costliest earthquake in U.S. history. Rue's book did say it was on January 19th, 1994. Uh, I thought it was too precise. She said it was 4.19 a.m. And I'm like, what? But she was wrong. Oh, go figure, yeah, of course. But again, this is like nitpicky. It was actually on January 17th, about 4.30 a.m. Rue was in the earthquake, but she came out just fine. She went over and checked on Norman Hartwig because, you know, he's paraplegic. He was fine. That April, Norman Hartwick did come down with the flu at the same time Rue went to Texas to help Mark, her son, if you remember who he is, um, who? <laughs> out with his new home. And for some reason, Tom Keel came along. I didn't quite understand oh, all that's that. that's strange. But a little time had passed when Rue received a call letting her know that Norman Hartwick had passed. They think it was from dehydration. Oh, God, that's would, awful. Yeah, it would have been from the flu. She was in a play called Millions of Miles, where she met, per her book, a good-looking dude, thick, wavy brown hair, big hazel eyes, full lips, quick to smile. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> this... yeah, I think this might be the one, though. <laughs> well, she was married five times, remember? This man was Mara Wilson, who was a fan of Rue and ended up helping her with her lines and being by her side through breast cancer. So yes, here's where we get to that. In 1997, Rue found a lump, which turned into breast cancer. She received a lumpectomy and was on chemo and radiation. Wow, wow. It, I mean, it's really sad. Yeah. Um, the producers of the play wanted her to do the play first, though. Oh, my God. And, you know, get her surgery afterwards because cute priorities. But you don't mess around with cancer, and thank goodness Rue didn't. Yeah. Because she's like, no, I'm going to do this surgery. Thank you. So one day, Rue and Maro were having a glass of wine when Rue decided she would take a different approach and propose and asked him to marry him. 
Jesus. Uh, she she went for it, huh? Yeah, she did. They were married Christmas Day, 1997. So here we are, friends. Another discrepancy in Rue's book, which goes against the whole freaking title. She was married six times. Tom Bish, Norman Hartwig, Peter DeMeo, Greek Gus Fisher, Tom Keel, and now Mara Wilson. And she doesn't go into who got away, huh? Mm-mm. Very strange. I know. Unless she didn't count the Greek, because it seems that was the most traumatic marriage. Maybe her son got away. She's like, I, I had a son, but he got away. I never really had a son. Uh, or it could have been Norman Hartwig since, you know, technically they weren't married because she was already married to Tom Bish. Again, this is getting a little soap opery. Yeah. So hold tight. Her book is ending, but we still have a little bit of Rue's life left. Rue would go on acting in several movies and being a guest on several TV series. The only one that stood out was the TV series Sorted Lives, which was a prequel to the film of the same name. The series focused on the exploits of an eccentric Texan family, which was only one series of 12 episodes that was shot in Shreveport, Louisiana. And it was from November 28, 2007 to January 27, 2008. Those dates are important. That's why I say them. In an interview in 2008, Rue would say Shreveport was a redneck town that didn't have good accommodations. Oh, my God. So she had to stay in a trailer. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Very shitty. That is fucked up to say, but there's so many fucked up things in here. She was recovering from knee replacement surgery that she had six months prior to the starting of this. So, I mean, it could be difficult because most trailers do have stairs. Maybe that's why she was a little bit. Yeah, it could be. In the same interview, Rue would give credit to her husband, Morrow, for her breast cancer recovery um, that she had made. And it had been about 10 years she'd been with the same man. How crazy. That is insane. That's got to be a record. If you listen to the Estelle Getty Celebrity Spotlight, you'll recall that none of the Golden Girls went to her funeral. Mm -hmm. Rue said it was because she couldn't fly due to surgery. And I was thinking, okay, well, it's probably when she had her knee surgery, right? No. Her knee surgery was six months before filming Sorted Lives, which, again, would have been April 2007. Estelle passed away July 22nd, 2008. Oh, wow. I'm calling this excuse bullshit. Yeah. It sounds like it for sure. Why not just say it how it is? You know, Estelle had literally lost her mind and you may not, and you may have already processed her passing while she was alive and then you didn't want to go to the funeral and bring it all up again. Yeah. That's what it was. I mean, I'm just going to call it. She just can't admit her wrongdoings or can't admit what things that are wrong with her maybe. Or that people might frown upon. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, if you're afraid of that, don't fucking talk about your sex life. So. That she's proud of. (laughs) Sometime early in November 2009, Rue went to her doctor for a routine physical exam, and the doctor found that she had an irregular heartbeat and advised her to go to the hospital. The next day, she ended up having heart bypass surgery, which went well, and she seemed to recover nicely. She was supposed to have a tribute to her on November 14th in San Francisco. However, it had been canceled because of the strict orders from from Rue's doctor saying to stay in the hospital on bed rest. All right. So Rue told New York Times, trust me, I'd rather be in San Francisco having fun and being adored by all of you. (laughs) And I believe that. Yeah, that's true. 100%, yes. Weeks after her bypass surgery, Rue collapsed in the hospital and they found that she had a blood clot in her brain, which which is a stroke. Unfortunately, Rue had devastating side effects from the stroke. 
I couldn't pinpoint exactly when, but sometime around here is when she legally separated from her husband, Maru. Oh, why? Did it say? No! I'm not sure why. <laughs> She's going through all this shit and gets separated. I know! He seemed to keep up with her and her health conditions and reported what he could. In early January, he reported to the American Globe magazine on how bad Rue's health really was. She can understand what you're saying in conversation, but still has trouble speaking. Her speech is slower than it once was, and she hasn't completely recovered on her right side of her body. She's going to require a lot of physical therapy and speech therapy. Morrow offered to stay with her during recovery, but Rue doesn't even want to see him anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah, he seemed heartbroken and admitted even before her bypass surgery, they had talked about separation. All right, so I this, see. This seems like something in the works. and But, I mean, if I had health problems, I'd be, like, clinging on to all of my loved ones. But, again, that's me. Rue was expected to be released from the hospital. And at the end of January uh, 2010, Rue would receive around-the-clock care at home along with all kinds of therapy. There was hope that she would make a full recovery Unfortunately, she would find herself back in New York Hospital in June 2010. On June 3rd, Rue suffered a massive stroke and passed away. Rue loved to be adored and be in the spotlight. I can't say that I adore her, but she is still in the celebrity spotlight. And I believe either good or bad, she would get some satisfaction knowing that she was being talked about. Oh yeah, she would really have liked that. Yes. The end. Thanks for hanging with me through all of that. I know it was long, but I wanted to give you everything I had. (laughs) I gave you all of it. So next time doing Betty White, right? Yes, next up is Betty White. I promise not to make her as long. Unless she's a liar. Right, unless I get real pissed and then you're going to hear everything. No, I don't want to spend months again on research. Yeah, but anyway, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate everybody so much. You can follow us on Instagram. We appreciate if you rate us on any of the social media platforms and um, just help us get our name out there. Yes, that would be very much appreciated. Thank you, guys. 